Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day, there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects. We're going to be talking about marketing. And you know, there's a lot of misperceptions about marketing. Marketing has changed a lot. And I think that's one of the big things that people forget. And they don't realize, you know, we need to kind of do some things differently. So please join me in welcoming Deanna Shimoda to our program today. Welcome, Deanna. How are you? Hi, Deb. It's great to be here. I am good. Perfect. I love it. Well, let me tell people a little bit about you, and then we'll jump into this. So Deanna Shimoda is the CEO of Growth Mode Marketing. She made it her mission to know everything about B2B marketing and demand generation. Deanna worked exclusively in B2B marketing for over 20 years, and she's owned her own B2B marketing agency for over seven years. She used her skills and expertise to catapult multiple technology companies into high growth mode. Now she leads growth mode marketing, intending to assist other organizations to travel down this same path of success. So again, Deanna, welcome. Thank you. Well, you know, I always like to know from my guests how it is that they got to where they are today. So tell us a little bit more about your history. How did I get here? Great question. So, you know, I went to college thinking I wanted to do PR in the dairy industry. And that is a long story. But to fast forward, I did not end up ultimately doing PR in the business or in the dairy industry. I ended up landing in marketing in B2B. So okay. I I went to college, got a degree in marketing communications. Mm-hmm. I think it's rare these days that marketers actually have, you know, mm-hmm. a marketing background mm-hmm. when they come into it. But I have always worked in marketing okay. and I worked in corporate roles, always on the B2B side. Mm-hmm. And as I grew in my career, I took on more responsibility and I started managing and building marketing departments mm-hmm. from the ground up at companies that were on a mission for high growth. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, my last stop on the corporate side, I was a VP of marketing at an organization that was in the network security space mm. and was private equity backed had a high growth mission on my shoulders Mm -hmm. and building out that marketing foundation Mm -hmm. for them. And as I was doing that, I was getting frustrated because I was trying to work with agencies who didn't really seem to understand how challenging it is to be in an organization that has high growth expectations Mm -hmm. where you have to justify the dollars that you're spending Mm -hmm. Not only to the board of directors, but to your investors. Right. And I would go out to the agencies and they would be like, Hey, I need leads. I need them now. I need you to help me execute on these programs and to help bring some strategic mm-hmm. thinking to this. And they would come in and be like, We're going to help you create an amazing brand experience. <laughs> and I was like, Hold up. As a marketer, I truly appreciate the value of a good brand right. experience. And well, we got that. I'll probably talk. 
Right. I'll talk about that today because that is a really important Mm -hmm. piece of the puzzle. But the way they were positioning the conversation, it was like they didn't understand where my priorities were Mm -hmm. because we should have had a different conversation than let's talk about your brand experience. Mm -hmm. So I had lunch with a colleague that I used to work with one day and she was a VP of marketing at another organization and we were talking and I was just telling her how frustrated I was with my agency experience. And she said, you know what? I am having the same experience. Maybe we should start an agency. So long story short, a couple months later, we ended up founding Growth Mode Marketing. Mm -hmm. And for the past eight years now, Mm -hmm. this is the gig I've been doing is helping other organizations that are on a growth mission. I love it. You know, and so many things in there to 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 talk about. I love that you say high growth because, you know, it, it's funny. Everybody should be in high growth mode, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's kind of, you know, because the opposite is low growth or no growth, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, but I think so many companies coast, you know, we're able to pay the bills. And so we're okay mm-hmm. with that. And, you know, and, and so they're not thinking, about how they can be expanding, you know, whatever it is that they're, and, and then when something like, oh, say COVID hits, they have absolutely no idea what to do. Um, So, you know, talk to me a little bit more about high growth. Yeah, you know, I I think there are organizations out there that certainly they might be lifestyle businesses, Mm -hmm. or maybe they've gotten to a certain point, and they're satisfied with where they're at, because they're very Mm -hmm. profitable. But there's this whole slew of organizations out there, you know, especially in the um, private equity and the VC world, where cash is being put into these companies, specifically Mm -hmm. with the intention that we're going to grow them. Mm-hmm. and get a bigger return on mm-hmm. our investment. Right. And with those organizations, a lot of times, you know, if you're a company, when you get founded, marketing is not always the first thing that they're focused on, which seems, you know, a little counterintuitive mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you're like, they're not going to buy from you if they don't know you exist, right? right. But mm-hmm. if you're a founder and you're coming into a company, you're more focused on how do we develop a product mm-hmm. that's going to have a great market right. fit, And then we'll figure out the rest. Mm -hmm. How do we go and sell it? How do Mm -hmm. we build that brand awareness? Mm -hmm. All those pieces of it. And so what we see working with organizations in the B2B space is they get to a certain point where they start to have like their private investors are telling them, okay, you got to turn on the switch. Mm -hmm. It's time to start growing rapidly. Mm -hmm. You've gotten some initial success Mm -hmm. in the market, or maybe you've grown to a certain point and Mm -hmm. you've kind of stalled. We want to see what we can do as far as growing this company so we can get a return on our investment. And that is where a lot of organizations start to look at it and say, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe we don't have this built out marketing department today. How do we get started with building out that marketing right. foundation mm-hmm. to build that brand awareness, credibility, and trust mm-hmm. in the market and ultimately create the demand mm-hmm. for your brand and your products and services? Right. Well, and a lot of times they skip steps. You know, first of all, you know, we see the fact that many companies think that sales is marketing. No, you mm-hmm. have sales and you have marketing, and they should work very closely together. But, you know, it's it, it it's different thought processes. But, you know, we've also seen companies that go, okay, we're ready to grow. 
and they don't do it strategically. You know, they just, they make a big leap. Um, you know, I, I was in a business yesterday that I know is struggling and, and it's a business I absolutely love. And so, well, it would be, it would be hmm, about three years ago, hmm, you know, right before COVID, um, <laughs> where they doubled their their space size and doubled all sorts of other things because they were going to grow. And then, of course, COVID hit. Um, and now they are truly struggling because they have all this space that is empty space. I mean, they they don't even have anything in it. Uh, you know, and and I'm sure they've gone back to, you know, the their landlord and said, you know, hey, and the landlord was probably no, you signed that contract. Um, but they they really had big plans, but they had absolutely no idea how to implement them. And that is one of the, the biggest parts of, of marketing is to figure out how are we getting from A to B to C? Yes, that, you know, and I, I think that's a great example. And it happens all the time. These organizations, they have aspirations to grow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I've talked to organizations where they're like, we're going to have sales led growth. Mm-hmm. What that means is they're going to invest a ton of money into a sales team. Mm-hmm. And the thought is the more salespeople you add, the more you're going to go out mm-hmm. in the market and sell, right? Right. The challenge with that type of approach is if you don't have the strategy behind mm-hmm. how you're going to build that brand mm-hmm. awareness and credibility in mm-hmm. the market, those sales team members, no matter how many of them you add, are going to have a really hard time getting right. traction mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, when you look at how a B2B buyer makes purchase decisions mm-hmm. today, they're waiting till much, much later in their buying mm-hmm. process to engage with a sales rep. Mm-hmm. In fact, they're making up to 80% of that purchase decision on their own before mm-hmm. they have a sales conversation. Mm-hmm. And so if you think of a sales rep perspective, if you're not making the short list, they don't get to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. You right. know, it, it doesn't unfortunately work the way it used to, mm-hmm. where you could pick up a phone, call someone cold and get them to take an appointment with you. And lo and behold, you know, months later, they turn into a client, mm-hmm. right? The way that prospects are buying means that organizations need to be strategic. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to grow, marketing needs to be a priority, you mm-hmm. know, and and I say that not as somebody who does marketing for a living, but as somebody who has seen organizations of all shapes and sizes and the approaches that they've taken and has really, you know, taken the time to understand, like, how does a B2B buyer or a prospect mm-hmm. make a decision? Right. And, you know, there are certainly companies out there that have grown and succeeded by pure, like, just running 100 miles per hour and doing a lot of heavy lifting mm-hmm. from a sales perspective, but it's not scalable. Right. And really, that's where you need to think about the marketing and how that strategy fits into the big picture mm-hmm. of growth is as you grow bigger, Sheer might alone is not going to get you to that next level because you only have so much people power Mm -hmm. to do that. And so how do you start to create that inbound funnel Mm -hmm. where people know about you and they have an affinity for your product Mm -hmm. and they actually want to raise their hand and work with you? And they're like, someday when I'm in market, I'm going to work with you. 
Because that's what creates the catalyst to Mm -hmm. growth is when you're able to create that demand in the market. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's, let's talk something basic first, B2B, you know, because all these terms get thrown around and then people start making terms up. I like that when they do that. I'm like, what? So what is your definition of B2B? (laughs) I'm glad you asked because I think marketing has a lot of acronyms that we use. And if mm-hmm. I use one, like the government. You know, in this conversation, <laughs> right, call me out and I'll mm-hmm. explain what it is. But so B2B, from my perspective, you know, the basic business to business, mm-hmm. it's any company that's selling their products or services to another business. Mm-hmm. So you're not selling to an individual consumer, you right. know, it's not like, I'm Deanna. I'm going to go out and buy a car or tennis mm-hmm. shoes today. It's I'm Deanna. I work for this Fortune 500 mm-hmm. company. I'm going to go buy this technology solution mm-hmm. on behalf of the company to right. bring into the company. Well, and I think the you know one of the the, the things B to C, you decide I'm going to go buy tennis shoes. I mean, you know, you might research right. it a bit. You do you know whatever. But B2B often has a very long cycle um, and multiple mm-hmm. parties. And I think that's the other thing that that people forget is, you know, they get in front of somebody and, you know, and, and that works great, but they're not the decision maker. And they might not even know who the decision maker is. I mean, all sorts of things. And so then, you know, if if they've even been talking to a salesperson, the salesperson is like stuck, um, you know, and and and. And because it is a longer cycle in most cases, you have to, like we were saying, you have to plan strategically for that. You know, Nike knows that they're going to sell X number of pair of shoes every month. They're, you know, pretty certain Mm -hmm. based on history, all those various things. But, you know, and and so they can plan for that. But when when you're having to plan for a long-term type of thing, and some of these decisions in many cases take months, even years, depending on what the product is. And, you know, and and that's where marketing comes in to keep that going. Right. So, you know, I I think the more expensive the purchase, typically the longer Mm -hmm. it's going to take, right? It's not like I went on Instagram, I saw this pair of pants. Mm -hmm. I wasn't planning to buy pants, but guess what? I just bought a pair of pants and spent Mm -hmm. $100, right? Mm -hmm. That's B2C. In B2B, let's say you're selling a technology system Mm -hmm. and it's $500,000 per year. Mm -hmm. You're not going to pick up the phone, call someone and convince them that day when they weren't already considering Mm -hmm. it. Hey, why don't you buy this this month, right? Like Mm -hmm. the reality is, uh, you know, in good economic times, Mm -hmm. only up to 5% of companies in your total addressable market are actually in market to buy at any Mm -hmm. given time. Right. When the economy is tight, I've read articles that Mm -hmm. have said it's probably closer to 1% Mm -hmm. of companies. Right. So if your total addressable market was 10,000 companies, Mm -hmm. take 1% of -hmm. that 10,000. That's how many companies are actually in the realm to Mm -hmm. buy anywhere in the near Mm -hmm. future, right? So taking a step back from a marketing perspective and looking at that and understanding, okay, 95% or more of my total addressable market is not in market Mm -hmm. to buy today. And it's very, very unlikely that I'm going to convince them, Mm -hmm. especially at the higher the price point that they need to buy right now. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at how do I build out marketing programs to engage the prospects that are not in market today, Mm -hmm. because those 
future clients are important to your future Mm -hmm. growth. Mm -hmm. And knowing that they make up to 80% of that purchase decision before they're willing to engage Mm -hmm. with you. If you're not marketing to Mm -hmm. those other 95% of companies, you're going to have a much harder time hitting those growth targets than if you're going out there Mm -hmm. and you're building demand in the market before people are in market to buy. Right. Right. Yeah. They're, you know, they know they need it. They know they need it, say next year, but you need to stay in their mind so that when they're ready to make that purchase or to, you know, start making those considerations, they go, Oh, I got to call Deanna. Um, you know, yeah. They're not, I don't know, you know, and, and because then they're going to turn to whoever. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, and, and you mentioned funnel. And I think that is something that is, is so very important because sometimes those funnels are really, really long. And more importantly, mm-hmm. they're kind, I think of them as like being porous. It's very easy for somebody to go whoop and, and just be gone from that funnel for a variety of reasons. You know, maybe that person is no longer with the company, um, which happens a lot, right? You know, or or various things. So you just have to keep being in there and 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 making sure that they know that you exist. Yeah. And you had mentioned a little bit ago about there being multiple people typically involved in a Mm -hmm. buying process. I have seen statistics that say 10 to 11 people. Mm -hmm. I've seen statistics that have said up to 23 people in an organization. Mm -hmm. Now you got to assume those organizations are probably the enterprise level, like Mm -hmm. super large. Right. Yeah. They've got, right. They're they're, And and they're (laughs) not spending 20 bucks. They're spending 20 million. (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. So they have a lot of people involved Mm -hmm. and, you know, I have this visual that I got from Gartner, which is an analyst firm Mm -hmm. in the B2B space that shows what the typical B2B buying process Mm -hmm. looks like for technology. And it's not a straight linear line. It's not like we start at step one, we go to step two. Mm -hmm. It's like it goes up, it goes down, it Mm -hmm. goes backwards, it goes back forward, you know, like it's all over the place. To show that. (laughs) Yes, that's a great way to think about it. There are so many intertwined pieces of the puzzle Mm -hmm. in that sales process and things can change quickly because it may be like I've spent six months working with this Mm -hmm. company and their CEO is the ultimate you know person to sign off on this Mm -hmm. and oh guess what the CEO just left and a new one's coming in you know and and Mm -hmm. they're interim until they Mm -hmm. hire a Mm full-time so you might have three CEOs during Mm -hmm. that 18-month sales Mm -hmm. process not to mention all the other you know 22 other people Mm -hmm. involved Mm -hmm. in that process Mm -hmm. just all the changes where there's starts Mm -hmm. and there's stops and there's like I got this person this far but then this one you know like the Trojan horse mm-hmm. came in and and now I have to, you know, educate them and get mm-hmm. them on board. And you've got to get all these people along on this journey. Mm-hmm. So yes, the B2B buying process, especially if you're selling big ticket, like mm-hmm. technology solutions can be very complex. Mm-hmm. And it's important from a marketing standpoint that you've got the programs in place, not just to build that brand awareness mm-hmm. and credibility before they're in market, But even when they're in market, Mm -hmm. when they've raised their hand and said, hey, we're interested in learning more about you, we're going to make a purchase, Mm -hmm. it still can take months, right? right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the the 18 months it might take, that's once they say they're interested in Mm -hmm. it. 
And so how do you continue to nurture them from a marketing standpoint mm-hmm. and stay in front of them? Because you can't touch every one of those right. people every day. They would get annoyed as I'll get yeah, up and they're it's gonna realistic, un, un, right? you know, unsubscribe. Right? <laughs> they're like, wow, this company's a little too aggressive for mm-hmm. my taste. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to back off. So, right. You know, and, and frequently it, it, it's also something where it's not the salesperson who is doing all of those connections. They might, the salesperson might only deal with one person Um, because again, depending on what it is, you know, it, like you were saying, you know, and, and tech, you might actually have your developers, your programmers who are part of that process. And the salesperson is only just kind of there every once in a while, if, if at all, I mean, they might not, they might be there at the start, (coughs) excuse me. They might be there at the end, but all of that in between is, is tricky. And, I, to me, the thing that marketing does is it makes that all consistent so that mm-hmm. what the salesperson says is the same thing that your tech people say is the same thing that you know all of those people say and all the materials that they're getting are also consistent. Um, you know, because the worst thing is when you get further down the road and they're like, but Bob promised us X and Sue says she can't do that. Um you know, it's just that's that's part of this is, you know, it's it, because it can take so long. And, and um, you know, and, and very rarely do you start with the same people at the beginning that you have at the end. I mean, it's just it's too long a time frame for that to happen. Yeah, I, I would say that's true when you're in bigger organizations. It's it's a little less complicated in smaller organizations mm-hmm. or if, say, you're selling a $20,000 solution right. mm-hmm. or even a $100,000 mm-hmm. solution versus, you know, the multi-million dollar right. solutions. Mm-hmm. But I think there's still lessons you can learn mm-hmm. from it is you got to have a strategy behind mm-hmm. it. Right. So, you know, one of the things is, you know, how we get those people, right? And and so for years, we have been told we need to have lead generation. Um, mm-hmm. We need all these people to put into the funnel, right? And it's funny, you know, it's, it's uh, I got, I, so let's see, as we're doing this, it's one o'clock my time. And I've had probably five communications at least, either emails or through LinkedIn, we can sell you 5,000 qualified leads. Now, they don't even know what to do. (laughs) So how can they tell me they can do 5,000? But they're they're not really. I mean, it's it's like when we used, and we still do, you know, direct mail. When you bought a mailing list and you bought X zip code, that's basically what many, not all, I mean, every once in a while you do have good companies that, that sell you good lists. But when they're selling you a list, they're not selling you a list of true qualified people. They're selling you, not even maybe lukewarm bodies, you know, it's just, they've got 5,000 emails and that's what they're going to give you. So what you talk about is demand generation. So what is the difference Mm -hmm. between them and why is demand generation so much more important? Uh, So I think many people think that lead generation and demand generation are one and the same Mm -hmm. thing, that they're interchangeable terms and they're actually very different strategies. Lead generation is where your marketing programs are only focused on the 5% of companies that are currently in market. Right. You're asking a prospect for a meeting and you're trying to pull them into your sales process. Mm-hmm. And they so might not even very, know that they're a prospect. You're just kind of out right, there getting anybody you right. can get. <laughs> yeah. At a very high level, using the example you brought up, Deb, about purchasing a list. Mm-hmm. Let's say you purchase a list 
you blast out an email, Mm -hmm. you've got a report, like a research report Mm -hmm. that you created. In that email, you're marketing to them, like, read our report. Mm -hmm. They click on it, they get to a landing page, they have to fill out a form with Mm -hmm. their contact information in order to access that report. Mm-hmm. Now what happens is marketing takes that contact, mm-hmm. hands it maybe to a sales development mm-hmm. rep or a sales team member and says, okay, I got a, I got a hot one for you. Follow up. Right? Yeah, they, they responded. They responded. <laughs> right. Right. They've got a hot one. And so sales immediately follows up with that individual. The challenge with that approach is that just because I downloaded content does not mean I'm actually in market to buy, right? They did not demonstrate any buying intent. But with lead generation, what you're doing is you're working on trying to build a quantity of leads and contacts for sales to follow up with. Demand generation on the flip side is focused on driving value, not just with the 5% that are currently in market, but also the 95% who are not looking Mm -hmm. to buy right now. And so you're creating marketing programs that are focused on building the brand awareness, credibility, Mm -hmm. and trust with prospects Mm -hmm. to create demand in the market and, and ultimately capture it. But what you're trying to do is build that affinity for your product Mm -hmm. So when the prospect is in market, they actually ask you for a meeting and invite you into your buying process. So the difference is like lead gen, you're trying to pull them into your sales process. Mm -hmm. Demand gen, you're working to get invited into their Mm -hmm. buying process. So it's a much different strategy. Mm -hmm. And I will say like lead generation is more of a short term Mm -hmm. How do we f- uncover opportunities that mm-hmm. are in market today? And you have to work to them able- hard. Right. You have to work them hard for sure. Whereas demand generation is a long-term strategy where you're saying, we're going to build up this audience mm-hmm. who engages with our content, who starts to have trust in our brand mm-hmm. and sees us as credible and, and starts to have that affinity for our solution mm-hmm. and wants to work with us someday mm-hmm. when they're ready. Mm-hmm. And they raise their hand when they're actually in market. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not like you get to sit back and the leads just start pouring right. in. It takes time to build mm-hmm. all this out. Mm-hmm. But because you're building that affinity or that demand mm-hmm. out in the market, what happens is even your outbound motions start to be more effective because mm-hmm. you're not calling somebody or emailing them and they don't know who you are right. and they don't trust you mm-hmm. and the walls go up. Mm-hmm. Now you're more like somebody that they've been, you know, paying attention to mm-hmm. and following and they're more receptive mm-hmm. to having those conversations. Right. You know, and it's easier for sales, you know, rather than, mm-hmm. you know, doing almost virtually cold calls to a hundred people, you know, that, that you have on this list that they might be calling five who have said, hey, we're interested, we want more information. Yes. Yep. And, you know, which lead would you rather get, Mm -hmm. right? The one who downloaded your white paper, Mm -hmm. begrudgingly gave their contact information, Mm -hmm. and now is avoiding your phone calls Mm -hmm. and emails, or Mm -hmm. the one who actually submitted a form Mm -hmm. without being prompted to say, Mm -hmm. hey, I'd like to talk to a sales rep. Mm -hmm. You know, Five of those high quality leads mm-hmm. are going to be much more valuable, quite mm-hmm. frankly, than 500 leads that have no buying intent. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and 
you want to keep those others, like you said, on the list because you never know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, their situation might change. And so it's, you know, and, and I've seen people who've done that. Well, you know, we haven't heard from them in a year. They're off our list. <laughs> you know, you never know when they they might, you know, be interested. And so, you know, it just so maybe you've dropped from emailing them, you know, every week, which that's probably a little too much, but, you know, to maybe once a quarter. So you're yeah. still there. You're still not quite top of mind, but you still exist for them. Um, you know, and, and <clears throat> so it's, it's not, you know, and, and, you know, there, even, even those that tell you no, because we, you know, we, I've talked with folks a lot, um, you know, about how to do sales and, you know, what do you do when you get that? No, is it the, no, I will never, ever, 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 ever do business with you. Okay, fine. And they're <laughs> taken off the list. Most of the time it's no, not now. And, and so, you know, how do you keep them in there? And that's where this, this works is you just kind of keep, hello, we're still here. You know, hey, we've got a new product, you know, things like that. Yeah. When we advise our clients at growth mode marketing around building out a demand generation engine, Mm -hmm. there are three pillars that make up that engine that we recommend to them. The first is strategy, mm-hmm. the second is content, and the third is distribution. Okay. And that sounds so simplistic. There's a lot more to it. Mm-hmm. Um, from a strategy perspective, the key is to start with um, defining an ideal customer profile. Mm-hmm. And these are the best fit companies mm-hmm. to target. And the way I, like, I try to explain it to people, because they're like, we work in HR technology mm-hmm. a lot. It's a very, very crowded space. Mm-hmm. Right. There are over 21,000 plus HR technology solutions out there. Wow. I had no right? idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thousands of options mm-hmm. to solve all the HR challenges you mm-hmm. could potentially think of out there. Mm-hmm. Well, if you go out there and you're marketing and the way you approach marketing is we can sell to any organization that let's say, let's say they're being really specific, mm-hmm. has 5,000 employees or more. Okay. That's a very big total addressable mm-hmm. market, mm-hmm. right? The problem is if everybody in that market is trying to sell to them, it's mm-hmm. very crowded and it's mm-hmm. really hard to stand out. So the point of an ideal customer profile is how do you actually narrow down the audience mm-hmm. As a marketing strategy, mm-hmm. not saying you can't sell and service people right. outside of that mm-hmm. ideal customer profile, but you need a message that resonates with them. Mm-hmm. And so to take, for example, if I am an HR leader at a manufacturing company and I've got 10 recruitment management platforms marketing to me, they all kind of sound the same. I feels like they all solve the same problems, mm-hmm. right? There might be little differences mm-hmm. between each. But it's overwhelming as the buyer Mm -hmm. to determine the right Right. one. And so the one that has the nicest marketing might win. The Mm -hmm. one that they like the salesperson. uh, Exactly. The friendliest salesperson, Mm -hmm. like they connect the best Mm -hmm. with them. Like, or they might be price shopping and nobody wants to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're gonna go with the lowest. The lowest one. Mm -hmm. Right. And so as the manufacturing HR leader, if there was one out of that 10 that all of their marketing material was talking about how they understand the unique nuances of being an HR leader in the manufacturing Mm -hmm. space. So they're talking about 
the challenge of high turnover, Mm -hmm. the training, the OSHA, Mm -hmm. the unions, the shift differentials, Mm -hmm. all the things that make my job extra hard as that HR leader in Mm -hmm. manufacturing. And they're the only one that's talking about it. Mm -hmm. And then they're talking about how their technology ties back to helping Mm -hmm. make that easier for me. Mm -hmm. Which one of those 10 do you think I'm going to connect with the most and be more likely to go with, right? Mm -hmm. So it can seem counterintuitive to business leaders when they hear like you've got to narrow down your audience Mm -hmm. because they're looking at it saying, the more lines I put in the water, the more fish I catch, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, well, but you got to use better bait because Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's a lot of fishing poles mm -hmm. for them to choose from. Mm -hmm. So that ideal customer profile helps you kind of narrow down and Mm -hmm. focus to build the rest Mm -hmm. of the building blocks for your Mm -hmm. demand generation engine. Right. Then we help organizations develop what we call a unique point of view framework. Mm -hmm. And this is a story to help challenge thinking in the market, because many times what we have found is that Technology solutions are not differentiated enough in a buyer's mind Mm -hmm. for that organization to really stand out. And it's hard for them to come up with meaningful differentiators. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, if you are in a spot where you're like, okay, our technology isn't drastically Mm -hmm. different. And we recognize that relying on differentiators like our exceptional customer support Mm -hmm. and our integration capabilities and all these things that a buyer sees as table stakes, Mm -hmm. then what do you do, right? How do you Mm -hmm. stand out? And that's where the unique point of view, it's really like taking your ideal customer profile and mapping out like what are all the unique pain points that they have Mm -hmm. and how does our solution tie back to that? And how Mm -hmm. do we challenge the thinking in the market So that they start to see that and they start to follow along and they start to buy into what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Like, you're right. It is harder to be an HR leader in Mm -hmm. manufacturing. And I do need to think about these things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've just been kind of going along with this because this is the, the, you know, the market norm. Mm -hmm. But what you're saying challenges that. And I think I agree with you, Mm -hmm. right? So that's where like really hyper-focusing your marketing Mm -hmm. strategy will help you get that traction Mm -hmm. to create that catalyst for growth. Mm -hmm. And then it's about developing out your content marketing Mm -hmm. and demand generation plan. And so the the content and the distribution, that's how do we create really good content Mm -hmm. for all stages of the Mm -hmm. buyer's journey and in multiple formats and slice and dice it and, Mm -hmm. you know, all these strategies around content that's mm-hmm. very hyper-focused to your ideal customer profile and mm-hmm. telling your unique point of view over and over. Mm-hmm. And then that distribution is how do you get that great content mm-hmm. out in front of your audience in all the places that they're hanging out. Right. And that's a three-legged stool. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's multiple messages. I mean, you don't just have, say, I wrote this white paper. You know, (laughs) you have to have so many different things that because like we said, there could be 22 people that you're having to reach. And so you need something different for each one. And and, you know, it could be that some do need a 20 page white paper. Somebody else needs. Here's what your ROI will be. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. And and so you have to know how you reach those with those messages, because if say say you send, you know, their their uh, chief marketing officer, the white paper. 
they don't care. You know, they're they're relying on somebody else to tell them if this works or yeah. doesn't. They need to know what is the bang for the buck. Yep, absolutely. You know, and, and the key from a distribution standpoint, mm-hmm. it's a three-legged stool. Mm-hmm. So it's your website, mass channels, and third-party channels. Mm-hmm. With your website, knowing that prospects are making up to 80% of that mm-hmm. purchase decision before they're talking to mm-hmm. you, how deep can they go? What questions right. can they get mm-hmm. answered from your site mm-hmm. That will give them enough information mm-hmm. to feel like, okay, I'm ready to talk right. to a sales rep. Mm-hmm. So pricing pages, mm-hmm. case studies, video demos, mm-hmm. you know, like people don't want to book a live demo to see it for the first mm-hmm. time because they don't want to get sucked into that sales Right. Process. They don't want to be getting those phone calls from the sales <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. But they want to see the mm-hmm. basics of how it works to right. decide if they're even going to move mm-hmm. forward to engage mm-hmm. with that sales rep. Uh, you know, so you, you've mm-hmm. got to have really good content on your website. You've got to have enough content and connect it all so that if mm-hmm. I'm Googling and I land on your mm-hmm. website, I find the answer I'm looking for mm-hmm. and I get sucked into more mm-hmm. content and I keep going deeper, right? right. Because- the more they engage with your content, mm-hmm. the better, you know, the mm-hmm. more trust it's building. And if you don't have that, what happens is they go on, maybe they find the answer, mm-hmm. maybe they don't, they hop back on Google and they go to the next thing. Yep. And that's oh, yeah. a missed yeah, opportunity. It, mm-hmm. Yeah. If it is too hard to find it, they go to the next one that's easier. Um, you know, and that's yeah. where you absolutely have to know what your your web stats are. You know, are people mm-hmm. staying on a page long enough that they read it all? You know, from there, what did they do? From there, what did they do? Um, you know, and and it it seems complicated, but you know, those those technologies exist to make that really pretty simple. Um, you know, because yeah. you might go, Oh my gosh, my website got 10,000 hits this month. Well, but if nobody stayed longer than say 10 seconds, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, and and that's kind of you know, one of those things, or or nobody clicked the thing to say, hey, you know, I want to download the white paper or anything like that. You have to know what their progression is. And it might even be that, you know, depending on what you're doing, you do the heat maps. You know, are they looking in the top right corner more? Are they, you know, and to me, I yeah. geek out on that stuff. I think that's just fun. <laughs> but um, but it, it is something you have to know, um, you know, and, and it's the old sales process. You know, the salesman could tell you, yeah, we, we did this, we did this, we did this. Well, now your mm-hmm. website's telling you that. Exactly. You know, and then the other two legs of that distribution stool, the managed channels and the third party Mm -hmm. channels. So managed channels is about building up an audience that wants to continually consume and engage with your content. Okay. So I always explain it as think about the type of marketing tactics Mm -hmm. where you can control what you publish, when you publish Mm -hmm. and how often you publish. Mm -hmm. And you're putting all this stuff out there with the intention that you get people interested enough that they want mm-hmm. to keep consuming your content. So for example, you know, this podcast would be a great example of a managed channel okay? because you're building content to mm-hmm. build an audience. Mm-hmm. And the more that that audience follows along, you mm-hmm. know, the more trust it builds mm-hmm. and the more likely they are when they have a need to raise their hand and say, I know that Deb does this. Mm -hmm. I trust her because Mm -hmm. I've heard how smart she is on her podcast, talking to all her guests. I'm going to call her when I'm in Mm -hmm. market to make that purchase. Mm -hmm. 
things like podcasts, webinar series, social mm-hmm. media, even email campaigns, mm-hmm. digital advertising, all of those things, mm-hmm. you can build out those programs mm-hmm. to build up that audience mm-hmm. and, and drive them ultimately mm-hmm. to your site. And then that third leg of the stool is the third party channels. And mm-hmm. this is how do you tap into existing relevant audiences mm-hmm. where your ideal customer profile is hanging out? Okay. So you're looking at opportunities within the industry, within, you know, the niche mm-hmm. of influencers, publications, mm-hmm. events, resources, all these things that are tied to your ideal customer profile mm-hmm. to build that brand awareness beyond your own channels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're in a spot where you don't have any brand awareness, it's a great way to kind of introduce your organization and your products mm-hmm. to this audience and try to pull them into your own mm-hmm. managed channels. Right. So you, know, it, you talk about finding that that niche, you specifically mm-hmm. market to HR companies um, and or HR, HR technology firms. Yeah. How did you decide that that was you? Because again, like you said, that's a pretty, still a pretty big market, but that's better mm-hmm. than we're going to market to the world, <laughs> right? Which is what a lot of people <laughs> say when, and when we answer, and who is your perfect client? Everyone? No, 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 no. Um, how did you decide that you wanted to work with HR technology firms? Well, Deb, you know, my perfect client is anybody with a B2B marketing need. <laughs> But the reality is that's too broad, right? Right. You know, mm-hmm. we can at Growth Mode Marketing absolutely work with companies outside of the HR right. Technology. Your products yeah. transfer to right. other industries, and, and quite but, frankly, mm-hmm. we do. Mm-hmm. But from a marketing perspective, you know, like I can tell you personally, as an agency, marketing agencies are a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. They're out there. They all, in theory, do the exact same mm-hmm. thing. Right. And it's hard mm-hmm. to get any traction. And so we kind of learned from our own experience, mm-hmm. like you can't be everything to everyone. Mm-hmm. You've got to focus in and specialize. Mm-hmm. And so how we landed on our marketing strategy is going to be to build out this demand gen engine to attract HR technology mm-hmm. companies is we had a lot of experience working with HR technology companies. My former business partner and I both previously worked in that industry. So naturally, over the years, we spoke that language. And because of our personal networks, we had clients from that sector all the time. So we were like, maybe we should specialize in this. Mm -hmm. Took a step back evaluated that market, which happens to be growing significantly. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of um, private equity and Mm -hmm. VC funding that has gone into this space specifically Mm -hmm. and just hundreds, if not thousands of new technologies coming out Mm -hmm. every year in this space. Mm -hmm. So we knew it was a big enough market that we're not going to run out of opportunities, Right. right? But also took a step back and looked at what is the competitive landscape Ah. of marketing agencies Mm -hmm. that specialize in HR technology. Mm -hmm. And to this day, you know, only found one. Yes, I was going to say, I have never heard of any. I mean, that's not my area, but, but yeah. Right. So there was only one, you know, mm-hmm. there's a couple other agencies out there that had a landing page for mm-hmm. it, which means they've had a handful of clients mm-hmm. enough that they're like, we're specialists in it. Yeah. But and then really it took only- you into the generic, here's what we do. 
Yes, exactly. And so we looked at it and we're like, okay, we've got the experience. Mm-hmm. We know this industry because we used to work in it. Mm-hmm. We know the market is big enough that there is plenty of opportunity in there and the competition from an agency perspective is low. Mm-hmm. So all of those pieces come together. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, yes, we feel like if we narrow down mm-hmm. our focus from a marketing standpoint, we can actually get traction mm-hmm. in this market. And that's, that's how we landed on that. And, you know, that's the kind of things that we look at to help mm-hmm. our clients when they're mm-hmm. trying to, to decide who their ideal customer right. profile is, you know, is, Let's look at your experience mm-hmm. and who rises to the top as your best mm-hmm. type of customers. Let's talk to them and understand them. Let's do the market research mm-hmm. to understand how competitive it would be if you focused in on that and you find mm-hmm. where the gaps are. Right. And that's where you can make your mark, mm-hmm. you know, and really position your marketing mm-hmm. to get traction. Right. You know, and and it is, it's a, especially if you're just starting out, you do think I want to, I want everybody in the world to be my client. Yep. Well, they're not. I mean, you know, somebody who's going to buy a Toyota is not going to buy a Rolls, right? You know, somebody who's going <laughs> to, you know, and, and, you know, all these various things. And, and I've shared this story before. It's, it's a, a, a B2C story, but I was in um, a marketing group. And, you know, you go around, you do, or not a marketing group, a mastermind group. And, um, you know, you go around and you give your 30 second spiel and you say, you know, here's, here's who my client is. And this lovely woman sold skincare products. And so, you know, we got to her and she said, my perfect client is anyone, which hello, we all have skin. So that makes sense. Right. But then none of us could think of anybody to refer to her. So we kind of talked <laughs> her through, you know, through, through this. And, and so then the next time she comes in, she says, you know, yes, we have these great skincare products, but my perfect client is a 16 year old boy with acne. And we all went ding, 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 ding. Right. You know, we knew who yeah. we could refer to her. Now, could she work with 16 year old girls who had acne? Could she work with 50 year old women who had acne? Could she work with people who didn't have acne? And they just, you know, yes. But when she had it so fine-tuned, and and I mean, her immediate thought was, that's going to eliminate so many. Well, yeah. yeah. But every one of us knew uh, somebody who either they were 16 or, you know, they were the parent of, uh, you know, a child that had acne problems. And so it just made it so much easier for us to help her that that was, was the, the thing. And, you know, and, and it was scary for her. I mean, she said she agonized over who was she going to focus on? And, <laughs> you know, and, and so what she did was she did exactly what you're saying. She went and she looked back through, I don't know how many, you know, put a uh, previous client she had, but she went, Oh, there's a trend here. You know, I, this, I had, you know, 25% in, in a short period of time bought because they had a 16 year old with acne or more, or, you know, and, and she went, and so she could see those trends. And she also knew exactly what you said. Her competitors were not doing that. They were still just the, mm-hmm. you know, if you have skin, we can. And it's funny because there's a commercial now. I think it's for Neutrogena. If you have skin, we're for you. To me, I don't, you know, it it really is. It, it is so broad that then nobody can think of, of what you do. And so if you say, well, you know, we're, we're a marketing firm. We can help anybody. That is true. However, mm-hmm. we all go, uh, um, you know, and, and more importantly, when you're developing your content, it gets so broad that it doesn't reach those yeah. people. 
Yeah. When you're trying to be everything to mm-hmm. everyone, you resonate with no one. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, what you said is very common. Mm -hmm. You know, I experienced it myself as a business owner, Mm -hmm. you know, even though I'm advising my clients, like Mm -hmm. you got to narrow down. It is scary to be like, Mm -hmm. but I'm turning away all this business, Mm -hmm. you know, but in the grand scheme of things, it's like, but are you? Right. Yeah. Because if if you're looking at this. Wanting to do business with you, they'd be doing business with you. Right. And and I can tell you from my own personal experience, like even when you focus down in and you know, in the back of your mm-hmm. head, like, okay, we work with HR tech, but guess what? Mm-hmm. I could work with FinTech mm-hmm. I could work mm-hmm. with manufacturing tech. Like you could still do all the others and be able to provide just as good mm-hmm. of a service, but your marketing is focused. So you're mm-hmm. resonating with that audience. What happens is other people see what you're saying mm-hmm. to that audience. Mm-hmm. And like, I've had organizations like the marketing leader come up to me and they're mm-hmm. like, do you only work with HR tech? Mm-hmm. Cause I really like how you guys think about mm-hmm. demand generation. And it's like, Oh wow. I didn't expect that, mm-hmm. right. that I would have people mm-hmm. outside this market right. say, and then you get to HR tech, but what about me? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could, depending on what that you could say, you know, no, really that's not in our wheelhouse. Cause right. it might just, you might just not want to work with them. Right. Um, yep. but, um, you know, or you could say, yes, we're more than, you know, my, my company name is wise women communications. I lost track a very long time ago of people who said, do you only work with wise women? <laughs> you know? and, and it was like, well, I don't want stupid men. So, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but, but yeah, it was, uh, and, but it's seriously, people really did. Do I only work with women owned businesses? And that, while that is kind of the, the wheelhouse, you know, then I get to decide, you know, how we're going to do it. Um, you know, and, and yeah. so it's just, it's, it's, but like I said, more importantly, when you're working on your content marketing, the more you can focus exactly so that when somebody reads it, they go, that's me. Exactly. Yep. It, it helps resonate and connect with people. And if mm-hmm. you stop and think about the marketing that gets done mm-hmm. to yourself, you know, mm-hmm. any listener here, right. like, Think about what resonates. Mm-hmm. It's the ones where you feel like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that's me. That's mm-hmm. my problem. That's my challenge. Right. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? It's powerful. Right. Yeah, you know, I always look at the the companies that are, say, the fitness companies. You know, and and whether it's a machine or whatever, and the people doing them are like a size negative and and twenty years <laughs> old, right? You know, and, and I'm thinking, okay. They're so young, they probably can't afford whatever that is. And I'm sorry, <laughs> if you're a size zero, you don't need that. You know, you need to be mm-hmm. marketing to the 50-year-old women who, you know, who, who put on a little here and there. Um, but yes. that's not, it's not sexy, right? You want to, you don't want to see that. And, and so, but I love it when companies like Dove Soap, right? I think they were the first ones. And again, this is, is B2C, but when they started showing and I loved how they put it, regular size people. <laughs> you know, it was like, I know. I know, was that right? You know, and, and it was like, yeah, but people then they looked at that and they went, that's me, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and then they could go and buy it. But yeah, I'm not going to buy something that they're marketing to a 20 year old who, you know, is, you know, has no fat on their body at all. Um, you know, yeah. and so, but, but yeah. Well, you know, I always ask my guests for things that they want to talk about. And you put on here random acts of marketing. What the heck does that mean? 
so many organizations um, fall victim to random acts of marketing. And what it is, is when you don't have a strategy behind your marketing, and even if you do, you're not sticking to it and doing marketing with intention. So it's the squirrel syndrome? (laughs) Exactly. You know, and it's, it's so common. Mm -hmm. And I think marketers, we always set out with good intentions. Mm -hmm. But what happens is the sales team comes to us and they're like, Ooh, if I had this, I could close this Mm -hmm. deal. And I have this idea and I think this would work. Mm -hmm. And the CEO comes and he's like, I think we should do a press release. We got a new client, you know, and Mm -hmm. you get all these factors Mm -hmm. of well-intentioned people right. that mm-hmm. come to you and they're like, we should do this, this, this. Mm-hmm. And what happens is you become a an order taker mm-hmm. where you're like, well, Jim wants this and Sarah asked mm-hmm. for this. And you know what? It only take me half an hour mm-hmm. to do this. I'll just whip it out for mm-hmm. them and I'll move on. Mm-hmm. And what happens is over the course of a year, all of these random acts mm-hmm. of marketing, even though they seem like small ass, mm-hmm. add up. Right. And they're all disconnected mm-hmm. and they're not actually supporting the mission mm-hmm. at hand. Right. So you're not prioritizing mm-hmm. the things that will actually mm-hmm. help move the needle towards bigger growth. Right. And so it actually hurts mm-hmm. you. And, right. uh, you know, most people, when it happens, they don't realize it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you kind of have to do a, a gut check every once mm-hmm. in a while and push back and mm-hmm. say, CEO, I appreciate that you would like this. Mm-hmm. Let me remind you, my mission is to help this right. company with mm-hmm. high growth. Maybe don't mm-hmm. say it that way. That might be yeah. condescending. Yeah. And if it's the CEO, you might go, yes, ma'am. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, like a CEO is in the position they're in because they're obviously very right. smart business yes. people. Mm-hmm. And if you just explain to them, like, we've got the strategy. Mm-hmm. These are the priorities. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what you're asking for mm-hmm. is really going to move the needle right. compared to mm-hmm. these other things. Mm-hmm. do you still want me to do this mm-hmm. and, and they could say know, yes or no mm-hmm. they might say yes but a lot of times they're gonna be like thanks for keeping me honest mm-hmm. no right uh, thank you mm-hmm. for yeah. keeping focused mm-hmm. on making sure we're doing the right mm-hmm. things to grow right well and that is the key you know do you want to be the we're just coasting along or do you want to be a high growth <laughs> company um you know and right. and like we said you know many people are perfectly fine with status quo that's there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Um, but if you want to start moving that needle up, you have absolutely got to focus and you know and, and really be strategic about what you're doing. Yeah. Amen. Well, oh my gosh, Deanna, this has been so much fun. And um, you know, I love talking about this because it is something that I think so many people don't stop to think about, or they think, yeah, 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 whatever. It's 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 those marketing things, um, and they don't realize that it really is something that is is so so strategic. But tell us a little bit more about how people find you and what are the services that you provide. Yeah, so at Growth Mode Marketing, we are a demand generation agency. So the services that we provide are really around how do you build out a demand generation engine and those three pillars, which are the strategy, the content, and the distribution. If you're interested in learning more about how to create a catalyst for growth through demand generation, I encourage you to check out Growth Mode Marketing's podcast, which is called The Demand Gen Fix. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or pretty much anywhere where you would find podcasts. Uh, you can also follow me, Deanna Shimoda, on LinkedIn. 
I regularly post insights and best practices on demand generation. And of course, we provide lots of information on our website, which is growthmodemarketing.com. Tons of great stuff. Thank you. You know, and again, you, you focus on HR tech companies, but the principles are the same. And so that's what I want to, you know, yes. you know, let people know is that might not be you, but the information is still very valuable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Demand Gen Fix, our podcast, for example, it is positioned to HR tech mm-hmm. marketers, but I can tell you everything that we talk about is absolutely applicable, mm-hmm. you know, across other B2B spaces as well. Right. I love it. I love it. And, you know, like we said, even B2C. You know, you're selling something to somebody. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. how do you get from <laughs> I've got this thing to give me your money and ooh, I got your money. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. There's there's a gap in there between asking for it and actually getting it. And I think that's one of the tricks that people forget too, is you know, they they don't actually close that sale. Um, and that's yeah. that is one of the trickiest things around. Um, you know, and and so yeah, it's it is great information no matter where you are in this process. Well, Deanna, this, like I said, this has been so much fun and great information. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? I would just recommend to everybody, as you think about your marketing and how you build out a demand generation engine is how do you build out your digital footprint to become your best sales rep? People are making up to 80% of that purchase decision before they're willing to talk to a sales rep on the B2B side. And research has found that 75% of them would prefer to have zero interaction with the sales rep at all. That means your marketing has to be good. That means you need to make an investment to build out not just your website, but ways for people to find you digitally through managed channels and third-party channels as well. And if you're struggling with do I really want to invest that time and money into it? Let me ask you, how much would you pay your best performing sales rep? And think about your digital footprint that way. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. Well, I've been speaking (laughs) with Deanna Shimoda, the CEO of Growth Mode Marketing. I'm Deb Creer. and, And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.